Sunday, March the 20th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great. We're in the book of Hebrews, but looking today at a passage in Matthew. So please have your Bibles open, your smartphones, something open in Matthew chapter 16 that Lucy so helpfully read to us some moments uh, ago. The book of Hebrews is all about giving people at a difficult time a true picture of who Jesus is. We need to get that full and center in our minds. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to do is to help us know unequivocally, without a shadow of doubt, without any misunderstanding or misapprehension, that Jesus is sovereign. That Jesus is sovereign over all. And isn't it amazing that just in a few years, the writers of Jesus writing about this local Galilean prophet who went through the uh, villages of, uh, of Galilee and then moved south and was martyred in Jerusalem, died and three days later was raised. That they had so quickly understood the ultimate truth. That this Jesus is sovereign over all. That's what the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure everyone understood in the early church and didn't forget and didn't slip back. Not only that Jesus is sovereign over all, but Jesus is the supreme saviour, the ultimate saviour. And if Jesus is sovereign over all, and the only one who ultimately, truly, unequivocally saves, then he is the one that we put our trust in. That's it. That's the book of Hebrews in a nutshell. And as we journey through, we will keep coming back to these two truths, that Jesus is sovereign and Jesus alone is the saviour. And it's true at every single level of our lives. It's true on the big scale for the Ukraines and Russias of this world. But it's true in your life and mine that Jesus is sovereign and he alone is the ultimate saviour. And as we dig into the pages of Hebrews, can you imagine the transformation in our lives if we could see Jesus much bigger than we see him at the moment? Hello? If we could understand his rescuing power more than we do at the moment. Can you imagine the difference, the change that that could make in our lives? That's what changes individuals, which changes marriages and families and parenting and neighborhoods and cities and towns and ultimately changes nations. No higher name than Jesus. 
Who's playing Wordle at the moment? Who's got no idea what Wordle is? Wordle is like a little game on your, uh, on your phone. You just type it in, Wordle, W-O-R-D-L-E. And you are given, you, you have to, there's a word and you have to find the word by putting in five letters. And, uh, if, if the letter is right, a bit like a mastermind pegs used to be, if the letter is right and in the right place, it's green. If you've got a right letter, but it's in the wrong place, it's kind of a, uh, a sort of a, a yellow. And you go down, you have, uh, five or six attempts to, to get, to get the word. When it all falls into place, Jesus, when Jesus all falls into place, we discover that there is no higher name. And that's the journey for us. That when it all falls into place, not in terms of the things on the earth, but in terms of our understanding about who we are and what God's done, when it all falls into place, we discover that there's no higher name than Jesus. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say about me? Who do people say that I am? What's the story? What are people talking about? Who is this Jesus? And do you know what? Have you ever been on a journey and then someone asks you a question and you realise it's not just a question, it's a proper question? Or you come in at home one day and someone asks you something and suddenly in that moment you know this is just not an ordinary question, this is a deeper question. Well, that's what happened to those disciples on that road when Jesus asked that question. It was no small talk, no wondering. There was something deep going on because it's a big question. It's a big question because of the unprecedented impact that Jesus has had in the world. And maybe that's it for this morning in terms of what we'll just think about. Because of the unprecedented impact that Jesus has had in the world. Jesus has had global impact. Born in obscurity to a very humble peasant family, 2,000 years later, he is the most famous person in history without a shadow of doubt. His significance towers above everyone and everything else. Leaders rise and fall. Putins come and go. Icons will be there for a moment and then gone. Celebrities grace the stage but eventually fall off the other side. But Jesus' longevity is utterly unprecedented. Today about a third of the world worship Jesus as the Son of God. Another 20% of the world, the Muslim population, say that he's a great prophet. He is undeniably, undeniably, the greatest influencer this world has ever known. And we might think that his influence would diminish over time, but in fact we've seen the reversal of that. As time goes by, the influence of Jesus on the world continues to increase and make a profound difference. Jesus is the answer. 
The ethical code that Jesus introduced is the basis of much of the world's thinking. Throughout the Western world, uh, so much of our legal systems, our political systems, our, our understanding were based on the teachings of Jesus. Uh, the millennium, I know it's 20 years or so ago now, the, there were the, the News uh, Week article uh, had this as we reflected back on 2,000 years. By any secular standard... Jesus is the dominant figure of Western culture. Like the millennium itself, much of what we now think of as Western ideas, inventions and values finds its source or inspiration in the religion that worships God in his name. Art and science, the self and society, politics and economics, marriage and a family, right and wrong, body and soul, all have been touched and often radically transformed by the Christian influence. 2,000 years later, we still use his phrases, don't we? You know, phrases come and go. Uh, especially if you're a young person, you've got a phrase this week and next week it's old news. But people still talk about the prodigal son. And they still talk about turning the other cheek. And they still talk about no casting stones or being a good Samaritan. And we still use his name as a swear word. Oh, Boris Johnson doesn't work, does it? Because there's something compelling and different about Jesus. Global ethical, historical impact, whether it was opposition from first century Rome. I think this is so important that in this particular day, in this particular moment for us to grasp in our being, whether it was opposition from first century Rome or 20th century communism or whatever we might name today, there is a struggle. But when the dust settles and the empire has gone, Jesus and his followers remain. Think about that for a moment. Let, let, the, let the truth of that anchor you, centre you today. In, in all the uncertainty that is feeding our souls in the news. When the dust settles and the empire is gone, Jesus and his followers remain. Somebody say something about that. When the dust settles, Jesus and his followers Remain. Every time you turn on your computer, you're reminded that it's all about Jesus. AD, BC. I'm no historian, writes H.G. Wells. Uh, Sorry, I am an historian, I'm no believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very centre of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Napoleon writes, everything in Christ astonishes me. His spirit overawes me and his will confounds me. Between him and whoever else in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He is truly as being by himself. I search in vain in history to find the similar to Jesus Christ or anything which can approach the gospel. Neither history nor humanity nor the ages nor nature offer me anything with which I'm able to compare it or explain it. Here everything is extraordinary. And Christianity is a global faith, isn't it, that has such a personal impact. Hundreds and millions of people following Jesus on every continent. I know uh, you've heard me say this before, but it's such an important truth that stirs my heart. More people will give their lives to Jesus today than at any other day in history. More people today will put their trust in Jesus than at any other time in history. How cool is that? 
And we, we, we live in our little narrow bubble. And when we're not in our narrow bubble, we listen to the media that shapes the narrative. There are other stories going on. And we need to tune into the other stories. There is another story going on in Bucharest of love and grace and transformed lives. As the, the tanks roll in and the, the noise of war, that's why that song was so important with the drumbeat. Because if you listen carefully, there's another drumbeat going on of all that God is doing in the world today. And we need to hear the drumbeat of what God is doing. And we need to be very careful that we don't tune so hard into the the, the noise around us. What everyone tells us we should think and feel that we do not hear the rumble. There is a rumble going on in the world today of what God is doing. He's doing something incredibly new. And we're called to be part of it. We're called to join in with him. We're called to go with him. Soon after the first Christians began preaching and teaching, the religious types were freaking out. The religious types always freak out, don't they, when Jesus gets going. And uh, they were freaking out and they wanted to close him down. They wanted to crush him. They wanted to put an end to uh, what was going on. And there was a, a wise old sage um, in, in Acts chapter 5. You don't need to turn to it, Gamaliel. And he said, if, if, if this is from God, if, if what Jesus started is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Everybody who's tried to stop it has only found themselves fighting against God. Wouldn't you agree in history? The effort that people have put into stamping out Jesus, stamping out Christians, has only served to to, uh, extrovert, to show, to demonstrate that they're fighting against God himself. And so this glorious Jesus the Son of God, God's gift to us on earth, who never wrote a book, has had more books written about him than anybody else in history. His biography uh, spans 1,500 years and has been translated into 1,500 languages. He never painted a picture, but he's the subject of so much art. He never starred in a play, but so many plays and songs have been written about him. He never raised an army. But millions of people have laid down their lives for his cause. This is our Jesus. And we are invited to worship him and to come under the shadow of his wing in these days. And to say, Jesus, we're going to do what we can in the world today, knowing that what we do is not enough, but Jesus can do the rest. I've got my little loaves and my fish. I know it's not enough for all these people. I know it's not enough, but Jesus can do the rest. But he just invites us to offer ourselves and to say that we're in with what he wants to do. Who is this Jesus? It's a really big question. And Jesus made it such a big question. Uh, in fact, he, he, he took this big question and he made it the biggest question. Not just a really important question, but the biggest question. Because Jesus began to say that the way that we respond to him affects ultimately who we are. Affects who we belong to. Affects where we are going. I told you that you would die in your sins. This world is messed up, screwed up, and we're trapped in brokenness and sinfulness and hatred and disease and rottenness. And Jesus says that that's that's the fruit of this world. Yet, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, 
If you believe in who I am, you will be rescued from this. Well, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. And Jesus would say, look, whoever acknowledges me before my father, I will also acknowledge uh, in Sorry, whoever acknowledges me before man, I'll also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. And so this big question about who is Jesus becomes a really, really big, the biggest question. The biggest question. I tell you the truth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. But of course, there were different people, weren't there, um, giving all sorts of different answers. And of course, there, there are today lots of, lots of answers, lots of answers to who this Jesus is. Lots of answers in the Gospels, not just whether he was John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets, but, but lots of answers. Uh, one, one person went to Jesus and said, uh, a good teacher, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? Other people said he was a drunken and a glutton. Other people said that he was deceiving the people. And today there are loads of answers about Jesus, whether he's just a sentimental Jesus locked in some kind of religious stained glass uh, or whether he's uh, a kind of um, a distant figure or an existential Jesus. He's just an idea, but there's nothing real about him or a new age Jesus that's more into sort of divine energy, but not personal. A skeptics Jesus who like the Da Vinci Code that doubted his existence. There's a f- ideas about a fraudulent Jesus or a married Jesus, a confused Jesus, a failed Jesus. You can read all this nonsense about Jesus. And so Jesus is teasing out the disciples and saying, what, what do people say? Who, who, who do you say I am? Oh, I forgot we're being filmed. I better step here. Who, who, who do people say that I, who do people say that I am? And, and there's all these, all these answers. And then he says this, what about you? What about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say? And that's it today, I think, for us. Who who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say I am? And it's not just a question that's good for debate. But it's a question that affects our identity now and forever. It's a question that affects who we are. Jesus says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right, the opportunity, the power to become children of God. Behold what love, the Bible says, the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who We are. Are you ready to embrace that this morning? To embrace who Jesus really is. He's not lost in some history. He's not stuck in some stained glass window. He's not trapped in some religious ritual. But Jesus is the one who calls everyone. To turn around to repentance and to trust.
There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. And so Simon Peter answered, maybe on behalf of the others, you are the Christ, you are the rescuer, you are the one. You are the one we need to put all our hope in. You fully understand the phrase, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe you don't. This person, this Jesus, is the one we are called to put all of our trust in. For every detail of our lives. Because he is the one. He is the one who has not only proved through history that he is who he says he is, not only proved through dying and rising again, but he is the one who has significantly, repeatedly, irrevocably turned up in brokenness and pain and destruction and brought newness of life. Because that's what he was about. It was Friday, but Sunday was always coming. And that's what we believe for ourselves, for our church, for our families, for the world today. Jesus. And so we're going to spend a bit of time just worshipping Jesus as we come to the end of our of our time together. Because it's it's about Jesus. And and we can we can talk about it for as long as we want. But he invites us today. He invites me today to step in, to step in to that place of trust. I'm giving myself to you, Jesus, because you are the saviour, the rescuer, the Lord of my life. Let's stand, shall we, for a moment? I just want you to journey with me through that, through that passage. Imagine just for a moment, you're standing where you are, or imagine you're on that walk. <laughs> you're heading to Caesar, Rhea Philippi. You've got no idea maybe where that is. Head somewhere you know. You're on a country walk. You're following a route that you know. Perhaps it's a place you've gone with family and friends. You're, you're walking on the road and you're aware that Jesus is asking you the question, hey, who do people say that I am? What things come to mind when you think about Jesus and, and what people think and what people feel? Who do people say that I am? And you, you start talking about those things to Jesus. You start telling him what other people are thinking and other people are saying. And, and maybe in, in sharing with Jesus what other people are saying, you're, you're testing out the waters for what you have to say, what you think. And then, and then you know it was coming. And then it comes, who do you say? But what do you say about me today? So I want you to, to be in that place with the, the Holy Spirit's help. If Jesus says to you in this moment, who do you say that I am? What, what do you say? What do you say? Don't, don't give the right answer. Give the real answer. What do, what do you say to Jesus this morning? Do you, can you really say you are the Christ, you are the supreme one and the ultimate saviour? Maybe that's what you long to say.
But in your life, you're not sure. Just offer him what you've got and he'll meet you in that place. Who do you say that I am? Who, what, what do you think about me? There it is. Jesus says to you right now, what do you think about me? What do you think about me? What do you think about me? Jesus, Kishala Kashanda, Kishanda, Barakushanda, Dira Kashanda. You might want to make a note of what your heart is saying in this moment. What you're feeling. What, 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 what you're feeling. You're feeling peace-filled, anxious. Is there a fear about acknowledging Jesus? Is there a fear about your own answer that you would give him? And as the band begins to sing, you can join them. It can be it can be truth for you, or it can be aspirational for you. Most honest guy in the Bible said to Jesus when Jesus asked about his level of faith, he said, "Yeah, I've got faith, but I help help the faith that I don't have. I believe, but help my unbelief." And so we want to put our trust in you as the ultimate saviour and the sovereign one over all. But help our unbelief in that.